Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we've got some recruiting to talk about. Um, despite the you know, last episode, we have Nolan Rucci on, along with his parents, Todd and Stacy. If you haven't listened to that, go over and check it out. It was a really fun, a uh, little bit different format of a podcast, but a lot of fun hearing their perspectives on uh, Nolan's recent announcement and their family uh, plans or in, in happenings over the last couple of years, uh, but we haven't had a chance to talk about what that means kind of for the class and everything like that, so we'll break that down a little bit, uh, and we'll also touch on Al Ashford's kind of surprise commitment um, that I don't think anybody in the Wisconsin and around the program was really expecting uh, that covers it, but uh, it was a nice little nugget uh, for the, the Badgers, and then well, uh, after that, you know, just got to do some random news of the day, kind of going off of that, you know, talk about the Big Ten revote, the rumblings that have surrounded that, um, you know, talk about some happenings over this past weekend. We're going to start doing maybe a segment on these Monday episodes, just kind of recapping what's going on in the college football world, because uh, whether it's on the field or off, there's a lot of stuff to, to talk about. So it should be a fun episode, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, now that we're back with you for our first show of the week, hopefully uh, we'll be back to just your normal two shows a week here going forward. But Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. It's been a whirlwind this past weekend. My wife and I just got a brand new puppy. I know you just got one as well. So um, it's been some, some sleepless nights and getting crate training and all that fun stuff. But it's been very fun given our first bath and all that stuff. But it's been it's been a blast, but a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Yep, I'm in. We're in uh, week five, and uh, I know exactly what you guys. We, you know, before we hopped on to talk here, um, we were going back and forth, and both of us were trying to get uh, our, our puppies to kind of be in a mellow state or, or sleeping. Um, mine was, you know, I had to put her in the crate, and she was already starting to, bu- you know, rumble and uh, bark. But uh, it's something that hopefully they'll get used to. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely an adjustment period. Um, uh, for sure, and I'm sure you've got some uh, some tired eyes if you're up with them in all hours of the night like we had to do. But uh, it's fun, and I'm excited to uh, you know talk some football here for a little bit while they're hopefully sleeping uh, because it feels like it's been a while with only having the one show last week that was kind of different. Um, so w- without further ado, you ready to get into our news of the day? Let's do this, dude. Here's what's happening. All right, our news of the day, well, I guess it isn't really of today, but like I said, it's something we didn't get a chance to cover much uh, last week with the interview with Nolan was great, but we didn't get a talk, chance to talk about it too much ourselves. Uh, so, of course, the big news from last week, the Badgers land a commitment from five-star offensive lineman Nolan Rucci. You guys already know well about that and have probably, hopefully, listened to the episode where he kind of talks about his commitment. Um, but a, a huge get for the Badgers. Uh uh, it's it's hard to describe kind of what he brings, uh, you know, as a player. You know, in our interview, we can talk about that a little bit too. Um, Nolan, for you know, I, I have to say he he does look, you know, in the face very uh, a lot younger than some kids. I know in the stature at six eight, he doesn't look young, but 
also the way he speaks um, was really impressive. Um, you know, just the the way he carried himself. It sounds like he was a seasoned vet with interviews. But what did you make of of that commitment, and and just how big of a get is it for the Badgers to land a, a player that is you know a, a five star kid? Uh, you know, I know some places have, have put him as a four star, but I think he's a five star, no doubt. Uh, in my mind. So what did you make of the Badgers landing, uh, you know, such an important piece of this class? Yeah, I mean, he, he's 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 going to be a five-star. Basically, 247 hasn't up, updated everything to when they go with the top 32 are all five stars, and I know Rivals has got them uh, in their top 32, so um, I, I think it's it's just a matter of time, but it, it's huge you know, in a lot of ways for the Badgers because they have been really knocking on the door with some of this offensive line recruiting. It's just crazy, the stockpiling they're doing, and I know we asked them about that, and it's, and, uh, you know, it's, it is iron sharpens iron. When you've got the top players um, in the state of Wisconsin um, coming in each year, and then you've got a couple good blue chips coming from outside of state when you add a guy like Logan Brown, a five-star, a uh, couple years ago. Then you add um, couple, a five-star last year as well, and then now another five-star. It's wild. So I think they have a making of a really good offensive line, and really Wisconsin's been at their best when they can dominate the trenches on both sides of the ball, particularly on offense, and I think that's really the selling point here. You look at him, and he you, you talked about how he's kind of got that baby face a little bit, but at the same time, he's got a nasty streak, and, you know, 6'8", 300 pounds doesn't usually happen, especially when you, you put that together with the fact that his mom was a really good athlete, dad was a Super Bowl-winning offensive lineman, and his offensive line coach. I think you put him in – Wisconsin's player development. You put him under the tutelage of Joe of Joe Rudolph, and just like wow, he could he could be um, the best of all of them. Um, you know, I think I still think um, it's going to be fun to see who ends up sliding into guard and and doing that. But man, it, that's a good problem to have to to have to take some guys who are tackles in high school and slide them down to guard, even though they're you know six 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 seven. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at, you know, I, I saw on Twitter, um, you know, people asking, you know, in 2023 and 2024, who's going to be uh, the starting tackles and the starting offensive line? And you look at the pieces that they've landed in, of course, last, you know, the last class and in, in Nelson and Wedding, and then you've got this class, you know, you've got Ben Schwal, now Rucci, uh, Malman in the mix, all these guys, you know, so it, it's a luxury problem to have, you know. Uh, a lot of a lot of programs out there are, are hoping to have. You know, if you look at a program out there, they'd be happy to land one of those four guys. You know, Wisconsin's got four, and then they've got a collection of other guys that don't necessarily bring the same hype as you know a five star in Nolan Rucci. But there's there's still other quality guys um, that'll be competing. You know, like for those guard spots um, that'll be on the offensive line that maybe don't get as much attention, but still really good players. And Wisconsin does their uh, diligence on recruiting them, so it's a uh, like you said, it's a good problem to have, and I think Nolan Rucci kind of just uh, is that nice, nice cherry on top that really completes it because I'm excited to see whatever combo they can get of of you know the guys from last class of this upcoming class, and, and you know working guys like Logan Brown into the fold as well. It's going to be a exciting offensive line to uh, be blocking for the, you know the future running backs. You look at the running backs in this class as well. Uh, they they've got to be salivating at the, at the guys that they're going to be running behind here in the future. When you look at you know Jackson Aker and, and a few of those guys, and 
it's a it's a nice a nice group uh, coming in to kind of round out this uh, 2021 class. Yeah, and, and it's definitely. I mean, at this point, the way it looks, it looks as though the Badgers, if all things go according to plan, you could hypothetically have a starting five of all four or five star offensive linemen for the Badgers because you've got Joe Titman who I know they've been grooming at center for a while here who you know is also 6'6". You got Logan Brown who's probably going to be your backup at left tackle this year behind Cole Van Landen and it's just a matter of time before he gets to get out there and play. Rally Mom is probably going to have to stay at tackle just because he's so big. Mm-hmm. Same with Trey Wedding, but Wedding could possibly play inside and Jack Nelson and um, Benchwall uh, J.P. Benchwell, I both think, could be really good guards based off of what they did. We saw Jack Nelson play in that Army All-American Bowl at guard and do really well. So I, I think the future is very bright uh, along the offensive line, and the batters are doing a really good job of just stockpiling prospects and letting the cards figure it out from there, um, especially when you look at what the 2022 class of in-state guys, the Badgers don't really need to leave the state to recruit offensive linemen in that class. And it's just, it's going to get dirty. It's it's going to get dirty, and I, I, I'm i excited to see it. Um, but then the Badgers also got Al Ashford. What, what did you make of that? Honestly, I was completely surprised by that one. I, you know, I knew that Wisconsin had kind of been in talks, and I, I didn't even know that they had offered him at that point. Um, so to just see a commitment, I thought, uh, you know, I, I thought he was going to Colorado as an in-state kid, um, but a, a pleasant surprise. And I know that, you know, someone tweeted out that Wisconsin kind of moves in silence. This is definitely the case because I was, I was kind of blown away that they landed him. And you look at, you know, right after that, I went on and, and watched some of his tape. Uh, fast kid, but six one, so a bigger corner, something that the Badgers uh, will, will really need here in the future. You look at some of the guys that are going to be graduating um, here over the next couple seasons, um, it'd be nice to have a, a speed corner that's also got some size. So uh, he, he had a lot of interest from schools, you know, out, out west. He had an offer from Boise State, of course, Colorado. I know Kansas State got in the mix late as well. So uh, uh, definitely a guy that Wisconsin uh, must have re- really done their homework on. Felt that uh, they could win him over and, and get him to head east. Uh, away from a lot of those West Coast schools that were going after him, but certainly a, a nice get to kind of add another piece of that class, which I, I guess I don't think anybody really expected, but it's it's a nice uh, little add to the, the Nolan Rucci news, and now all of a sudden that class is starting to uh, really find itself and, and take shape. Yeah, and I think it's an important addition just because, like you said, the cornerback position, they, they've they been really hit, hitting at the 5'11", 6-foot range, but you get a 6'1 kid to come in, um, hopefully uh, take over for when once you lose a guy like Caesar Williams, once you lose a guy like Deron Harrell, who each are over that 6'1", six, 6-foot six threshold. Um, I, I think that's really important because uh, Harrell, you know, at 6'3", he, he just – it's tough for corners to, to get away from him based off that size, and, and you can blanket if you go drop into zone. I know the Badgers normally stick in man, but it, it just makes you more multiple, and you look at the speed he's got, and the Badgers just took a flyer on this kid, and he looks, looks the part, and he's grown a few inches, plays at a really good high school, Cherry Creek, Gunner Helm was a guy the Badgers were really after, um, and, and as well as a defensive lineman from there. So I think – it's it's a good high school to get an in at as well, and it sounds like he had a few more offers that he didn't uh, go ahead and make public leading up to this as well. So seems like a pretty humble kid 
but the tape stands out and the speed stands out. So I think this is a, a big get, and it makes a lot of sense for the Badgers to add a defensive back here. I, I, for one, had thought that they should have been taking two corners when you look at kind of the roster and way, the way it was laid out. But but now that they're doing it, that makes a lot of sense. And, and now you've got three total DBs when you also add in Hunter Roller at, at safety. And uh, I, I think that was a, a good move by the staff and really um, a big win out of out of kind of nowhere. I know I, I was like completely flabbergasted like you were and was like, oh, where? Where did that come from? Yeah. But, it works out. Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be a nice addition to, to Ricardo Hallman in that class as well. You know, you look at the Badgers, of course. You know, with, with Hallman, you weren't surprised, really, that South Florida defensive back pipeline that the Badgers have been hitting on for years. But now all of a sudden it looks like something else is starting to develop for Jim Leonard in that defense of going after uh, kids out west in that Colorado and in, in west region. You know, you look at Max Lofi. Um, and, and Al Ashford, you know, they're both from schools that are maybe maybe an hour apart in Colorado Springs and in Englewood. So uh, the Badgers are certainly starting to uh, you know find a, a place out there that, that they can uh, try and, and get some of these guys. I know they missed out um, you know on, a, on another one uh, out there and Robert Reagan, but starting to starting to make some inroads uh, of recruiting a different area. You know, I know you did your. Uh, recruiting breakdown in Colorado isn't really a pipeline state for them, but uh, when you can go out there and, and land multiple guys in that region, start to make it, uh, you know, a footprint in that region is, is important because Wisconsin does a lot of things well in in the Midwest. Um, they do Florida really well in recruiting those defensive backs, but if you can find another spot and uh, into a competitive state like Colorado, it's it's a nice uh, problem to have and a nice, um, you know place to establish. I think Jim Leonard's doing a good job of, of really getting after that region and landing some quality players, even though it was uh, quite a big surprise for a lot of Badger fans and, uh, you know, Badger media guys out there. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it, and he's in, he's another Colorado kid. They've actually made, this is the third under Paul Christ, you know, and, and that's that's saying a lot. I mean, back-to-back years bringing the corner from Colorado. You got Deron Harrell, who also came out of the state, mm-hmm. and, and really that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's more kids out of that state than the Badgers have gotten out of Iowa, New York, Missouri, um, places where I, I, you would think that they would be more likely to hit on. And, and so it's been interesting to see that um, kind of shift and, and finding a little foothold in, uh, in, in that state where I, it's not super heavily recruited because there isn't usually the top, top-level talent, but we've seen Colorado actually become a, a pretty big um, place for recruiting lately, but just where a lot of teams are looking there just because of the ways in which that state has grown a lot over the past, you know, 10 years or so. So I'm, I'm, I think it's a great commitment, and I'm excited to see what uh, he ends up becoming because uh, you never know when you get a, a cornerback who just kind of grew. You look at the Badger basketball team, and it's always – you know, the, the Tyler Walsh, you know, growth spurt that guys get late, and then all of a sudden they turn into a really good player. It's it's why Frank Kaminsky was so talented because he had the skills of when he was a little bit shorter and then grows into his body. So I'm I'm interested to see what he brings to the table. Yeah, it's a nice, definitely a nice addition to that class of 2021. And, and now that you're looking at the class uh, up to a national rank of 16th with the addition of those two, third in the Big Ten, behind Ohio State and Michigan, uh, making it 18 hard commits to the Badgers. And, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before on how this class will kind of shake out. 
you know, we, we, we had talked about, you know, obviously Nolan Rucci was a guy that uh, was, you were, you were making room for no matter what. He was your, your, your top target. Let's not beat around the bush. Or he was the guy that the Badgers, you know, they, they of course want all 18, but Nolan Rucci was probably uh, high up there on their list. So you land him and you get a kind of surprise commitment from Al Ashford. That puts you to 18. Where is where do you see this class going from here, or do you think it's kind of done? Because I know we thought, you know, uh, the Badgers the last few years have been around the 18, 19, 20 range uh, with the ongoing, you know, unknown of the, the red shirts and how this football season is going to work. We thought maybe it would be a smaller class. So I know there's still some guys out there that they're looking at, but at 18 they've, they've got to be close to kind of having what they're, what they're hoping for uh, going forward. Yeah, I think the Badgers are still swinging hard, trying to see if they can get, get Jake Rafloff or uh, Yanni Karlaftis. I think really that's that's about where you're looking, and that's about it. That at least that we know that they're really going after hard. I wouldn't be surprised if they also take a really hard look at um, at, at maybe another wide receiver. Um, I, I know that the Badgers um, re-offered um, a kid that just committed, decommitted from Michigan, Marcus Allen. He's a really talented wide receiver out of uh, Ohio that the Badgers were um, late to the game, kind of just because of the transition between um, wide receiver coaches. I think Elvis Witted has reached out right away, told him, hey, we, we want you. Um, he, he's a higher-level wide receiver, a 6'2 kid. He, he would be a good addition I know Elvis Witted has gone on record saying that he likes taller wide receivers. So I'm interested to see if the Badgers can can get in there and and make some late noise in his recruitment after opening things up from Michigan. So he's definitely a kid to watch as well. So I I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they try to squeeze in two more guys and you find that that nice sweet spot of 20. But but I could also see it just end at 19 and – but I just really think they're going best available here. They're just really just saying, hey, these are the top-of-the-board guys. Whoever we can get, let's let's run with it, and uh, we'll figure out the numbers later. Yeah, and when you look at the, the guys, you know, in Karloftis and Rotsloff, those are guys that you, you would love to land at least one of them. Uh, both of them are, are tremendously talented. I know Karloftis um, is, is a guy that's, you know, in-state and Purdue that is they're going hard after him as well. And then you've got Rotsloff. Uh, out of Minnesota with uh, the, his hockey background as well. So if you could land one of those two, uh, at least get it to at least get it to 19 and, and pick up another outside linebacker uh, type guy, you know, pass rusher that both of those kind of bring, it'd be a nice uh, addition to the class. And if if you can land both, great. You know, figure it out like you said, figure the numbers out as you get the commitments and worry about it later. Um, but definitely a, a good problem to have when you're. Hopefully, you know, in in com- competition with both of those guys, and maybe you land one other one, uh, and you've got a really solid class from top to bottom, and you kind of address a lot of different positions, which is something that I I really like about this class is that they're not, uh, you know, heavy in one spot. There's there's a few spots, of course. You talk about the tackles, which we already mentioned. That's kind of the bread and butter for Wisconsin, so they're already they're always going to be, uh, you know, heavy on those spots. But outside of that, you know, you've got a lot of running backs. You've got some good positions. You've got a quarterback in Hill. You got a good uh, tight end in Pew. So you address a lot of um, you know, two corners. You, you address a lot of different things in this class, which I think is really nice because what we've seen in the past with Wisconsin, you know, they they have a main focus. This one, you kind of uh, are spread out a little bit more, but you add a lot of a lot of quality players at a lot of different positions. 
Yeah, and I think it's just the big thing is that they hit on a lot of top targets. Like, mm-hmm. it hasn't been that, hey, we've got to go down our board a lot. Um, I'm not totally sure. And I think Ashford was probably a plan B guy. Um, but if you look at most of their guys, it's, it's players that they have been on since, since last winter slash spring. And it's not like, oh, this kid just bubbled up and they started being interest. These are guys that they've been in on. They've wanted for a while, and they just won the recruitments, which I think is is, is indicative of, of positive momentum on the recruiting trail. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, again, you know, you talk about we've we've hit it a lot of times here that Wisconsin gets in early, does their homework, stays on these guys, and if you can land them, it, you know, you're uh, essentially rewarded for the labor and the time that you put in to, to get some of these guys. So it's a nice nice class where you're getting the guys that you're hoping for, and I think the, the coaching staff has to be really happy uh, with where they're at on both of those commitments, and uh, we'll we'll see how it rounds out the rest of the way here going forward. Yeah, uh, I mean, any other one thing I wanted to add about the recruiting is if you look at I know um, there's a lot of different services out there, but two four seven I usually I usually lean on um, just because they have the composite which which brings together uh, the the three uh, main ones with when you include ESPN and rivals, but the Badgers are damn near averaging a uh, four star recruit, which is which is pretty unheard of for the Badgers, and, and they're, they're sitting pretty in, in terms of the uh, conference as not only having the third highest rated recruiting class, but they also are averaging uh, the third highest as well ar- around that. So it's like that's 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 the momentum and that's the look you want. The Badgers uh, obviously are hoping to hit big in 2022 when they've got all the in-state kids, but I think this is coming together to be a really nice class, and Paul Christ is, I know, uh, sh- shut up a lot of people about the can't recruit type thing. Yeah, he's done a tremendous job in the, in the time that he's been here, and you, you're seeing the class you know, get better in terms of the rankings uh, each of the last three years, a huge jump uh, from what it looks like this upcoming year, so uh, a, nice, uh, a nice job by Paul Christ and his staff in getting out of the road and landing some quality players. Uh, any other news you want to hit around? Otherwise, we'll we'll get our ads out of the way and then we'll get into some college football talk. Yeah, let's 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 get these ads out of the way and do this. All right, guys. So we'll start off the field in our round college football. Uh, there's, uh, of course, a big weekend on the field, much bigger than the previous Saturday. But before we get to that, we'll, we'll touch on the Big Ten revote. It's kind of been the, the big news, um, but we didn't want to put it in the news of the day because it's a little bit bigger of a conversation around that. Of course, the, the Big Ten presidents and chancellors met again on Sunday, uh, but have not, uh, according to, to multiple sources out there, um, have had that revote yet. Uh, part of what I've seen is that they haven't had it because they may not have enough yeses quite yet. Um, so they're trying to uh, figure out where everyone's heads are at as they try and work to a, you know, a return-to-play type model. Um, you know, I, of course, there's uh, a, a lot of things that go into this. Uh, I'm sure seeing um, these other conferences playing games is, is hard to swallow for the Big Ten. I know they want to do it and do it safely. Uh, but definitely interesting that things have kind of ramped up, started to not just be, you know, not just their yacht out there commenting and saying what's going on. It's starting to find some traction from some uh, bigger sources, you know, Peter Thamel at Yahoo. So uh, definitely something to pay attention to as it it works its way out. But what have you made of this, and and what do you think uh, is is the realistic happenings over these next few days as the Big Ten tries to 
possibly find a way to either return or make a decision to say, hey, you know, we're living with what we did and we're not going to play. Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty up in the air right now. I, I definitely think when you saw you saw teams be able to pull it off, it's it's definitely kind of a stab to the heart to a lot of Big Ten fans and, and, and probably universities because it's like, hey, mo- a lot of them are kind of leaning towards, hey, it would be really nice if we were out there and uh, being able to play. So obviously it's up to the presidents right now kind of going through. Um, I know uh, it's, it's weird the – had sources here at B5Q for a little bit, a couple of times now here recently. So I heard basically some rumblings from a pretty good source from within UW circles. And so I think it's going to come down to what the Michigan schools do. Um, and if they, the Big Ten, will move forward with playing, even though a, a team like Rutgers doesn't want to. I know uh, we're, we're going to talk about what uh, Becky Blank said here just today, but I, I think it's going to be fascinating because if you're if you have the numbers, which is the sixty percent threshold, which is nine out of fourteen, I think it's going to be really close. Uh, is is kind of what I know we both have said is it's going to be real close and uh, razor thin margin. So it's going to be up to one or two swing votes to to make this happen, and we'll see if it does. But I know for for me. It would be really nice to uh, add the Big Ten and into the mix because it was it wasn't uh, quite the same without the Big Ten. Or I know the SEC was also not playing, but it was a, a little bit watered down compared to what it normally is. But man, uh, there was also some fun games still. Yeah, there was. It was a it was a nice weekend for for college football, and it just makes you miss the other conferences that you know you're not getting. You know, early season Alabama game, or you're not getting your normal Big Ten. Of course, you're not getting. Uh, the beloved Pac-12 after dark, so it, it felt a little weird. Uh, it was nice to have, but it, it felt like something was missing. So if the Big Ten could find a way uh, to work this thing out and and see if they can get the numbers to play. I mean, you look at uh, the vote. You know, Michigan is a swing state, uh, both in the political realm, and now it sounds like it might be in the Big Ten return to football um, because you, you, you can kind of count. You can look at each school and kind of count the vote and, and see where you're maybe at in your own head, um, but a couple others that swing the other way, and it's probably going to come down to, uh, you know, where those Michigan schools are. So it would be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. But either way, you know, it will be nice that the Big Ten is, is having conversations. Hopefully they're, you know, it's positive and they're coming back. You know, October 17th has been the date that has kind of been laid out. Um, but if if they could do it, it would be great. If not, you know, it would be, it'd be nice to just make that final decision and, and live with it, uh, but I'm certain that you know seeing these other conferences, seeing the ACC, uh, you know have a have a good weekend of football, uh, it has to make it harder and make them try to get to a decision faster because I'm sure if they're going to play, they want to get going here soon. You know you don't want to to wait too long because I'm sure the the whole college football playoff and all that is going to be a little odd once you once you get a final decision. So it's going to be fascinating to watch and just to see uh, how this whole thing shakes out. Yeah, and and it's just it's crazy to think that if you take away Rutgers off of that out of the Big Ten, you probably have the numbers to make it work, and that's just oh my god, that is just <laughs> hair pulling. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes, and it would be nice if they were able to do that uh, October seventeenth date and and swing that because it would allow them to participate in the college football playoff and and potentially if there are bowls. 
everything to kind of slide right back into it and, and do what you can. We knew this season was going to be wonky as hell anyways. So uh, let's, why not lean into, you know, an eight game season and, and just say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to play our conference games and, and do what we can. And, and um, I, I think you look at if, if teams are able to, to show that they're one of the top four uh, teams in the country, I think it won't matter if you've played eight games or whether you've played 10 or if if you are able to play 11, like I know some teams are trying to. So I, I, I think I'm optimistic, like a little bit more hopeful than I was going into the weekend and, and really – uh, everything, but but I, I know that there's growing optimism. Supposedly, the medical stuff is is looking better. Testing is obviously better um, with the saliva based um, and immediate. I know we've talked about that um, at nauseum in a little bit, but so I don't want to belabor the point. But I do think that the Badgers, um, if I think if the testing's there, I think the Badgers do want to play. But it's going to be a matter of do others. Are others mm-hmm. going to be? And, and really, that's that's the tough part. Is like if 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 Rutgers is your final straw, and and that's what keeps the other thirteen from playing, or the other the eight that want to play, that's that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that's going to be a, another lasting legacy. That's been a, a fine tradition at Rutgers of of holding the Big Ten back. That would be uh, something <laughs> that a lot of people would look at uh, with. With more disdain than ever, you know, no one, at least in the, in the circles that I know and talk with, is a big Rutgers fan already. Unless you're playing them, it's an easy win. But if you uh, if they were the, the the straw that breaks the camel's back and returning to the Big Ten, I think that would set a lot of people on fire. But it is interesting to see, you know, how it could come down. You know, I know uh, there's been discussions that they just need the numbers, but at the same time, you know, Wisconsin's uh, Chancellor Becky. Blank uh, kind of made some comments today that essentially sounds like we're, you know, that they're going to be an all together. Either everyone's going to play or everyone's going to not. So uh, there's there's two different kind of storylines going out uh, around that. And I think if you could get the numbers to play, they, they should go ahead and do it. But at the same time, you know, the Big Ten prior to this whole debacle has been pretty good about being unified, having a unified front. You know, Jim Delaney had always had the conference uh, you know, as one, you know, this is our conference, this is what we're doing, you know, here's how we're going to do it. Uh, so it's it's interesting to see what have you made of, of those comments, um, and did that kind of bring you as a surprise? Because I know in our Slack chat it's been, you know, we need the nine votes, who's going to be yes or no, and now all of a sudden it sounds like maybe that's not quite the case and that it's got to be everyone or, or no one. Well, and that's what's interesting is because people had, you know, really wanted the Big Ten to speak out, and so then the Big Ten said, oh, yeah, it's we didn't hit the threshold of, you know, 60%. Well, 60% is like 8.4 or whatever it is, and so you need the nine votes. And then it would just be crazy if you say that's the metric we're using and why we did, aren't playing, and then all of a sudden you get the nine votes and you still say, no, we're not playing because mm-hmm. da, 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 da. That's That's pretty tough. For the the eight teams, if if it comes down to eight and it really is just a one uh, a one trick pony that holds it back, I think that would be tough for a lot of teams to to kind of be like we're losing a whole bunch of money. A lot of players would be very upset if if that's the case. I I, I know that there is a lot going on on college campuses. <laughs> Wisconsin's been all over the news given everything going on in the dorms and COVID and. Um, I hope everybody inside of Witty um, that I hold dear to my heart, at least uh, I did when I lived there, uh, it was um, 
It's not the place you want to be quarantined for two weeks, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, I know they've made some updates, but, but I, I think it's just – I think there's a lot right now that the Big Ten needs to figure out, and I hope that whatever decision they do, they come out and they make it bulletproof so everybody's not ripping it apart and there's no more second-guessing and people just move forward and are like, okay, we're going to pivot to the spring season like they have said they were going to do. So it's just – there's so much wishy-washiness. There's so many sources and things being put out there, and it's hard to know. And I know that we, I'm pretty comfortable in what I had heard, but at the same time, I'm, I don't have the sources or anything like, um, you know, Nicole Auerbach or uh, Pete Thamel or anybody else around there has. So I, I just, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. That's all I got. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's going to be whichever way they go. Uh, it's going to be nice to at least uh, have a decision that's finalized because, like I said, it's it's been uh, a lot of different ways. You know, you've talked about uh, everybody from from Dan Patrick to Suryat throwing out different things, and and we've had probably five different plans of return to play, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. So, for for the Big Ten to actually have a a plan on either we're doing it or we're not doing it, will will be nice to kind of put this either. You know, we're playing and put it to bed or we're not playing and put it to bed. But it's going to be a fascinating story, whichever way it shakes out. You know, if, if they get enough votes to yes and they do it, uh, how how it will affect teams that are, are not playing is, is going to be interesting. And if there is a way that, you know, you get, you get the nine votes, but you need a unified front and you don't play, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these other teams respond. Because I know, you know, Ryan Day has been passionate. He wants to go win a national title. And uh, if he can't try and do that because of Rutgers, that's going to be something that, you know, a 30 for 30 someday on this whole Big Ten debacle is going to be uh, fascinating. I can already see that coming down. Oh, God. Can line. you imagine Ryan Day just trying to pull a Brett Bielema and drop like a 90 or a 100 burger on Rutgers for, like, if they play next year and they have to sit out an entire year without being able to play, Rutgers is going to get demolished even more than they normally do <laughs> yeah. if they were the deciding vote that really just made things uh, the way it is. If that happens, uh, I suggest to everyone to, uh, you know, I, I don't say to bet on, on things. I said bet where you're comfortable, but I'd be I'd put in a hefty payment on Ohio State and the over uh, if, if it gets to that point next year where they were held back by little old Rutgers. But uh, I digress, and we'll we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. It seems to update and change every uh, half hour, you know, every every you know so often. But hopefully, it changes in the right direction, and we're uh, playing some football uh, here. Fingers crossed uh, here in uh, mid October. Yeah, who right. knows? By the time you're listening to this, uh, yeah, it, it might be this might be gold. So <laughs> it might be dated uh, by the yeah. time this comes out, but. Uh, We'll just have to wait and see. But there was some college football this past weekend, um, not necessarily a normal Saturday afternoon slate, but some good games. Uh, so we'll do a little weekend recap for you guys here. The I think the big story of the weekend was was probably the Sun Belt Conference. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the rise of the Sun Belt, the man. The rise of the Sun Belt. You know, 3-0 against Big 12 teams and uh, – you know, a couple of them, uh, you know, with Louisiana you know, knocking out Ohio or Ohio State. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State <laughs> pretty good, um, you know, uh, kind of a drubbing. Um, and then Coastal Carolina, they were out to a, a pretty hefty lead against Kansas, kind of let them get back into that. And then Arkansas State knocking off Kansas State. So that was probably the story of the weekend in, in three of the, the, the big games. But what did you make of, of this past weekend in terms of games and uh, what were maybe some things that stood out to you? 
Yeah, I mean that was definitely the headline of the weekend, and it was those were some fun games to watch. Uh, I, you know, I did my best to watch as much as I could with with the puppy napping. It was kind of like, all right, I got my football time. Um, but it was uh, it was great to see that you also, I mean, Arkansas State just narrowly beating Kansas State was wild as well. I thought the Georgia Tech beating Florida State was mm-hmm. was uh, was a thing of beauty. But it, but I thought it was also interesting to see like um, just the ways in which teams made mistakes. Like you saw a lot more like kind of simple mistakes, and I thought special teams specifically was an area that didn't look as sharp as what it normally does. Now, we know that uh, special teams isn't necessarily a, uh, a beacon of greatness for the Badgers at all times, and it hasn't been for a lot of college teams. But, but really, you saw a lot of games decided by special teams. You, I mean, Louisiana had two touchdowns off of special teams, and you saw missed field goals. I know you were, you were sweating there on some bets because of field goal kickers, and, and so it's, it's just one of those things where there hasn't been as much time to maybe focus in on the special teams aspect of the game because of the ways in which COVID has impacted practice. So I think it's just that was something fascinating to watch and see how some teams were able to, to make, make hay out of it and some teams struggled. Yeah, it was, you know, COVID, of course, has, has had a lot of impact off the field with, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and other conferences. But on the field, too, you know, you look at uh, some of these games that uh, you late, late, essentially, you know, guys being held out. You know, you look at Texas State, their starting quarterback, uh, their backup was out last week with, with COVID, comes back, and now their starter was out this past week with contact tracing. Um, for COVID, so the backup was in there, and you're going to see a lot of that as you go forward um, and, and try to patch together uh, some sort of football season, and there's going to be times where uh, a chunk of the roster has to be held on, not maybe because of a positive case, but if they were, uh, you know, contact trace with someone that, that had, a pos- had a positive case. And you look at uh, a team like Georgia Southern had 33 players out, uh, and, and up until kickoff, you, you didn't really know about that until all of a sudden you're, you're on Twitter, uh, and there's a you know a COVID outbreak uh, for some of these teams, so it's going to just be a you know like you said already, we knew that this season was going to be wonky. It was going to have a lot of weird things, and, and so far it's it's definitely lived up to that hype. And you're seeing a, a lot of odd things that you'll hopefully never have to see again. Hopefully this is the only season that we have to do this, but uh, it's just been a, a fascinating uh, few weeks with with these two slates. But at the same time, it's been nice to have. Uh, at least some sort of football in this past weekend was at least a little bit better than the weekend before. Oh yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it and didn't didn't uh, didn't uh, turn off the TV when those games on. Um, even though it it seemed like looking at some of the matchups, you're like, oh, that is. I don't know if that's gonna be a good game. And then and then you look at the Big Twelve just losing left and right and getting handed L's. And then I mean, Houston Baptist almost knocked mm-hmm. off Texas State too. I mean, not Texas State, Texas Tech too, and. And they had gotten waxed by North Texas the week before. So it was like, and I remembered watching that game. And, and so it's just like, what the, it seems like the Big 12 really kind of shot themselves in the foot to start it. I mean, obviously the, the, the top couple teams still held their own and won their games they needed to, but, but it was just, it's, it's interesting to watch that. And maybe given all of the, um, the tough, maneuvering that teams have had to do maybe it is uh it helps the the teams who are the underdogs and and it was it was kind of fun to see to see some teams who just were out there trying to get the paychecks winning ball games yeah it's always nice to see uh when you get paid to go beat up on a team i think the sunbelt and some of those other schools did a good job of that and 
hopefully these slates get a little bit more um, you know, full and, and better over these next few weeks. Hopefully the Big Ten can get back to to give us a return to normalcy that everyone is kind of seeking. But I, I think that about wraps up our episode here for you guys this week. Um, we'll be back with you or today. We'll, of course, be back with you later in the Back to the Two show format that we've had uh, in the past, working on some fun things for Wednesday's show if we can uh, make it happen, and if not, we'll be with you to, to talk some football, maybe talk some college basketball later in the week. So, um, as always, guys, we appreciate listening. Make sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Wisconsin.